got to go quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. Sherelle McMahon with you, as is Bianca Chatfield. B, it's been another very interesting round and kind of there's some interesting news stories going around netball, which we'll address. Um, the first one I wanted to uh, jump straight into is, can you believe that Maria Falau missed those two shots <laughs> that would give the Thunderbirds that win over the top place Swifts? Oh, my goodness. I know. I could not believe that game what a game it was was. and you just thought Thunderbirds were going to absolutely run away with it but to the Swiss credit you know it just shows what a quality team they are because they just gradually clawed themselves back into it and they found even though you know it wasn't quite enough I think it's a a huge win for them to get out of that one with a draw they would be like thank goodness yeah they (laughs) do have to recapture recapture some form or find a way perhaps in this break because they're you know, the, probably after that Maddie Pratt injury, they have s- not stumbled, but they're not quite as um, no slick, I guess. As no, and it's going to take time. It's yeah. not as easy just to chuck another player in a position and hope that it works. So you understand that. But that's why, in a way, it's good for them to have these four weeks off to be able to build on that. They don't have too many players that are going to be away. So at least, I mean, they're going to lose Sarah Clow, They're going to lose Paige Hadley. But it gives them some time to cement some of those players and give them some extra training for it. Mm. Well, and actually that's one of the things I wanted to chat about too, the impact of this four-week break and which teams are actually going to be find it more difficult, the ones with more players heading off to the World Cup or the ones with less, the ones with more going off, obviously, you know, they've got that emotion and fatigue yeah. perhaps factor. The ones who have got more left behind are kind of doing that daily grind with no game at the end. We've got Fever have got two players away. Giants, Magpies um, have got three and the rest have got five. So a yes. lot of the teams are being impacted. The outlier, I guess, is the Vixens who have an extra three as their training partners. So there'll be eight of the Vixens team kind of away for parts of of that four weeks. That is massive. Yeah, it is. Eight players is massive. Now, we know all clubs are handling it very differently. So, for example, the Magpies, I think they've got about two weeks off. Mm. And then I think, what are the Vixens doing? Have they got a... A week off. And then because there's only two athletes left, uh, those two will be having a couple of sessions in that second week. So... You know, it's a bit of a lighter week and then the training partners re-enter in that third week. So right. it's kind of back into it. And so then other players, other teams will have different kind of setups. So coaches are being smart in they're allowing players to have some complete time off and it's refreshing this time of the season to be able to actually mm. have that because yeah. that's often when the mental grind really steps in halfway through. Um, do you know what? I think the team, like the Vixens, to have that many players go over there, you're going to have some that are going to have the highs and lows of being a part of that World Cup team. You're going to have the others that are going as training partners experiencing a very different type of emotion in that you don't really want to be there. You've got to do it. You've got to suck it up. You've got to put a smile on your face. You've got to do the right thing by the Diamonds and help them prepare. But then you've also travelled halfway across the world and you don't get a break. You no. don't get time. And I know some of them are having, you know, sneaking off for five days potentially down the Amalfi Coast, which <laughs> it's nice. very, very lucky of them to be able to do that. Enjoy but I think girls. they need that. They need time out to be able to refresh because they're going to get back and they're going to get back on the court here and go, 
here we go again. We've got another, you know, six, however many weeks it is before finals just to nut it all out and get together, let alone what actually happens at the World Cup. Mm, That's exactly right. If Australia win, I think that's more helpful for everyone coming back into Super Netball. If Australia don't win, I think that emotional turmoil turmoil will will come into play in Super Netball for a lot of those girls because it is not easy to go over there and play. It's not easy if you don't come back with the result that you're after. Mm. And I guess England in some ways in a similar position. They have six athletes playing in the Super Netball um, so, you know, the emotions for them will, will be at play as well. Oh, it will be. But, you know, they're not like a core part of a team, as in there's not multiple players from a team necessarily. So that's where I think the Australian players coming back into Super Netball, it will have more of an effect on. Who knows? I guess we can only wait and see. But hopefully <laughs> Australia do get that win and that will make it a whole lot easier for the girls to come back in. And how lucky is Lisa Alexander? And I say lucky because I'm sure she is being very grateful that <laughs> she has all 12 players injury-free. Yes, good point. Naming your team, you know, halfway through, <laughs> that was always risky because she had no idea what condition she was going to get the mm. girls in because they all have to go hard on game day. They can't just pull up because wrap themselves in cotton wool. <laughs> Uh, and I think she'd be, yeah, breathing a very big sigh of relief that she's got them all injury-free now into camp in Sydney, uh, getting prepared for the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, obviously a lot of work's being done on and off the court for them in this little period of time. The, the athletes are all in camp for a few days, then they'll come home to get themselves sorted, get their washing done, get their bags <laughs> repacked, and then, then off they go. But one thing, we actually spoke to Lisa Alexander this morning on RSN, on The Breakfast Club, um, and she actually spoke about the fact that they'll be retraining in a way their defensive style to be a bit more emphasis on area defence rather than really tight one-on-one, which Australia have always been really well known for. It was an interesting one for me because she acknowledges that the international umpiring will not let them get away with the physical nature of the defence that we see in Suncorp Super Netball. Is that is that a normal thing from a, from a defensive point of view? Is that something that, in your experience, had been addressed going into an international period? Definitely. Uh, because international netball... Because you can't have an Australia or New Zealand umpire, you know, umpiring with Australia take on New Zealand or Australia take on England, because they've got to be neutral, that's where it becomes very different when you step out there on court. Sometimes as a defender, you can get away with a hell of a lot more because the umpire potentially isn't fit enough, you know, compared to what you have back here in Super Netball. Not seeing your dirty tricks. Not seeing your dirty tricks, (laughs) but, you know, they just, they just don't keep up with the game. So they don't blow the Mm. whistle. So that's, that happens. But on the flip side, they also can be very, very onto every tiny little thing. There's no contesting. If you get your three feet, but you put your arms up too quickly, they'll Mm. see that as obstruction, Mm. even if, or if you put your, I remember, once that an umpire came into training and and she was from Trinidad and Tobago and she didn't like when you were three feet that you'd put your hands over the ball. She liked the hands straight up in the air. So there are different times where Lisa Alexander or Norma Plummer as the Aussie coaches that I had would get the umpires to come into training and we would try and learn their style and then we'd adjust accordingly when we got out there. So we I think Australia have been very clever in that and I'm sure the other countries do it as well. But this area defence, 
makes a lot of sense to me. When I was playing in my last few years and I had Laura Geitz at keeper, I was at goal defence um, and Renee Ingalls was at wing defence, we would quite often, we were still playing one-on-one, but we would quite often track players that came into our space. So if Renee's wing attack would come over my side of the court, then I would just take them for a little bit, even if it was a couple of steps, and then go back out on my player. So you're kind of preventing the attacking players being able to go into the positions that they want, but you're still marking your own player. Mm. You've just got more awareness. And yep. then Renee would kind of help me with where the goal attack was. And then Geitzy and I'd swap players. And so I don't think she means they're going to sit back in a zone like New Zealand and play like that. They are just going to have to come off the body and you just go for the clean intercept where you can, you know, if it's a 50, 50 more often than not, it'll go against you. And we've seen it a lot. If Australia and defenders particularly are all out of play, then they're not going to win the game. No, the pressure comes off. One last one from me, uh, and I think, you know, we have to address it. Maria Falau uh, recently has supported her husband, Izzy Falau's GoFundMe request for money. Um, uh, we've heard a, a number of uh, organisations come out, Netball Australia, the Adelaide Thunderbirds, Netball New Zealand. They're getting pressure from sponsors. There's a lot going on in this space. Now, Netball has been able to kind of take a step back from it because it hasn't impacted the sport directly. And with Maria's post, now it is. Have those organisations responded appropriately, do you think? Well, let me just take you back a bit. When I went to Darwin for the Lightning Thunderbirds game, Maria was obviously up there with us. And I said to Channel 9, can I ask Maria about the impact it's had on her life? So at this stage, she hadn't posted about Mm. it, but it's her husband. So of course, you know that it's affecting her and it involves her. And so Channel 9's feedback to me was, no, it hasn't affected netball yet, so don't ask the question. We don't want to bring it, kind of get it involved yet. However, since then, Maria's now posted about it in support of the GoFundMe page. I think the GoFundMe page is ridiculous. I can't believe that they put that out there. Um, However, I think now we need to ask the question and if I can't remember if she was interviewed during the game last weekend, but I think we need to start asking her the questions of where she's at and how she's feeling about it and how it's affecting her and, and get it from just cause she's reposted it. Yes. We know she supports those beliefs, which is ridiculous in my eyes, but we, we need to, I want to hear from her too. Mm. So I feel like netball Australia and Thunderbirds have, done what they can in the circumstances, but potentially it's just all a little bit too late. We needed to be a bit proactive. You know, she was always associated with it in the first place. I don't know why we had to wait till she posted about it to mm. then go, oh, all of a sudden now we need to hear from Maria. Yeah. We should have been onto it earlier. Yeah. And we heard Liz Ellis come out um, quite strongly um, against the response. Um, she's kind of explained herself a little bit more in that she's not having a crack at Maria, but more the response from the organisations. And I do tend to agree with Liz that perhaps it was a bit of a miss. Um, although the, the, Thunder, the Thunderbirds in particular have come out very strongly to say that they do not Uh, hold the same views and really from a contractual perspective they probably didn't have anywhere else to go with that I would hope that uh, things have been made very very clear um, to Maria as to how how that uh, can play out in the future Hmm. that she's got no gray area around what is and is not okay no that's right I think that's really important and but I I do think she should be playing in the competition I don't think that she's done anything at the moment that no. should say that she can't be no, playing. that's right. Um, all right, to you. <laughs> Some commentary on Twitter this week that I've been seeing has been around 
the male voices in the commentary team. Okay. Do you think we should have male voices in a commentary team of a netball game? Yes, I do. I, I think that you have the best commentators um, commentating on on a sport. I don't. I don't think that gender necessarily should come into it. Now whether or not we need to be doing more to um, enable more females to, to be able to hold those roles. That, that's probably something that we could talk about. Um, but I, I don't mind the, the guys commentating. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I just find it quite interesting that – so to give people a bit of a background that you'll have – you know, a caller in the broadcast, then you have an expert commentator in the broadcast who the expert commentator is more often than, well, is always going to be usually a past player that will be talking about why things are happening. But the caller is calling the ball by ball. Mm. And then you have us (laughs) others on the sideline who really, we're just fluffing around, giving (laughs) our insight a little bit, interviewing, (laughs) you know, we're just having a bit of fun with it all. Um, but I, th- I like that we've got males involved in the game. I don't think it needs to be all females. If it is, great, but I don't think it should be just because it's a women's sport. I really – like we have to treat these male callers as professionals because that's what they are. They call a variety of different sports and they shouldn't be just calling male sports because they're a male. So mm-hmm. I think people just need to calm down a little yes, bit on that Yes, I one. do agree with that. Um, absolutely. Now, we are going to get on to our interview for, for the podcast because we're excited that – Natalie Medhurst uh, from the Collingwood Magpies is joining us. She'll be with us just after this. Welcome back to the Inner Circle podcast. As we mentioned before the break, we are very, very excited to have with us to have a chat. Natalie Medhurst, Bunga, welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Chaz. It's a pleasure to be here. Sorry, you love the name Bunga, don't you? Oh, yeah. Um. I, I don't mind it. I must. I don't get it that often really? over here. Oh, the um, new generation or, don't, don't oh, jump just, on board. They're just not on board at all. Or Rob, nice. Rob, is, nice? Rob is 100% on board. That's all he calls me. So, oh, yes. And your well, good self. Yes. <laughs> and me. Well, let's talk about Rob. I mean, you've obviously made a big move over here to Melbourne. Uh, to play with the Magpies. What has it been like to be coached by Rob Wright? To me, he seems eccentric uh, <laughs> is the word that I would use to, to describe him in my dealings with him. He's a different sort of a character, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I remember the first time I actually met with the club and met with him and was having a chat and he was like, I'm the weirdest person you'll ever meet. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, brilliant. He owns it. Yeah. Um, and he is. He thinks outside the square, which I think is great as well. And obviously being a male um, just throws in a different element anyway, but he does. He's certainly um, on the on the spectrum, like and as I said, he thinks differently. Um, but he's got no ego as well, which I think is really pleasing. And just the way in which he works with our other two assistant coaches in Richo and Kate Upton um, is just phenomenal. So. Um, yeah, he does. As I said, he's skewed, he's quirky, he's weird, he owns it. He, he loves his um, his soft drink of Coke. Oh, Coke Zero. Oh, my God. He we- has slabs of it in his office. It's unbelievable. Crazy. Yeah, he said, I think he drinks about 12 to 16 cans a day. Like, it's, un- it's I don't know how he does <laughs> it. But he, but I'm really enjoying working under yeah. him, so it's great. And I heard him earlier in the year in um, one of the matches that he put his hand up and said, you know what, I'd... I've stuffed up that three-quarter time address. And you don't often hear that from coaches to publicly come out and say, I got it wrong and I'll be better next time. How do you respond to a coach that actually puts a hand up like that and 
accepts in a way some responsibility for things in um, such a direct way. Yeah, as you said, it's very unusual um, and I think it's really nice because obviously as players we generally put a lot of pressure on ourselves mm. and have high expectations and you get the finger pointed at you when things aren't going well and you know sometimes you're like, well, I'm not doing well but you keep me out here so <laughs> what can I do? And um, yeah, the fact that he does that and as I said, I think I'm really enjoying playing under him and he's a coach I want to play for and and do well and it does it makes you I think a lot more invested in what you're about it's not just about you and your teammates as well it's about the coaching staff and um and you obviously want to be doing the right thing by them and when they take that ownership as well it's um you know I think it's nice because you can't say that it's one team where we're all in this together when well it only depends on the circumstances yeah. to whether or not that's the case. So I find him that. really refreshing, especially to interview because he is always super honest. You know exactly what he's thinking because he just says it. He doesn't try and hide anything. But one thing that stands out to me is that he seems to – it's just not emotional. Like, you know how you have a lot of girls playing together and a lot of the coaches, everyone being female, and we've got a habit of being very highly emotional about things. And that's what I like about Rob, that he just takes the emotion out of it. It's just like, this is it. Take it or leave it. Yeah, you have no luck of finding out what's on his iPad, by the way. Yeah, I know. I, I, <laughs> in the commentary. I always stare him up whenever I interview him. I'm like, what stats are you looking at? And he's like, I'm not telling you. Um, but he, is, he has absolutely no emotion whatsoever and there's been times where it has either been heated between players or um you know girls are a bit of a a mess and dropping their bundle and he just like looks at you like there's nothing it's it's so there's no hugs there's 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 nothing um and you're sort of like oh okay you sort of look at him whilst you're having your moment and you go oh okay maybe I need to get pull myself together do you still have the riddles that he puts up on the whiteboard Oh, yeah, he's had all sorts. I remember in pre-season before um, Christmas, we all went down to Lawn for a camp and we had to do these um, these puzzles and <laughs> solve these things and you should have seen it. Oh, we just had no idea. And then, But it's great because it, it makes you think outside the box. Um, as I said, it keeps things interesting and being one of the older ones, it's, it's nice to be throwing something different. <laughs> Well, something different has also been being involved in a footy club too. I mean, did you play footy netball when you were growing up in country? I didn't play footy, no, but I played like um, – so I played Where in Millicent, so it was, yeah, football yeah. netball club. Okay. So um, you're used to being around the footballers in a combined kind of club. What's it like kind of coming back into that sort of environment at the elite end? Um, oh, it's certainly different. Um, and But I think the facilities has been just the biggest thing. Obviously, Collingwood is such a massive club um, – and I keep on saying to the young kids, like, you know, most netball clubs aren't like this. Like what you have, the, what you have it's access normal, to, guys. this isn't normal. <laughs> Don't take it for granted. Um, but it's been really nice. It was weird when I first came in and just walking through the hallways and, you know, people in the footy department coming up and stopping to have a chat and they knew who I was, which I thought they'd have no idea. And um, so they're certainly invested across all the programs and I think just that genuine interest in what we're doing and how we're going is really, really nice. And um, we stay out of each other's ways, except for a couple of the girls, yeah. um, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they said they're starting a breeding program at the club. but um, recruitment program, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but no, it's... It's been great. And just as I said, to have access to those facilities um, 
day in, day out has, has been pretty awesome. All right, let's get to the really serious issues. And one thing that keeps coming up is this rara kumbaya <laughs> oh, circle at the, the end of the game. Bring it up. Oh, everyone keeps bringing it up. It's actually just Bianca Chetfield and Natalie Well, Mendes. that's right. And that's why Natalie Mendes is in here because now it's two against one, Sherelle, yes. and we need to talk about this. We really this. do. I had to pull topics. Nat out of the huddle to interview her because she was the Nissan player of the match after the game. And we had to stand there for about five minutes waiting. And she missed. She missed the, the huddle, huddle because I'd pulled her aside. And oh, right, it just no. took forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, B, well, we did bring this up a couple of weeks ago and you were slammed on Twitter. You wanted to Except get rid of one the supporter. three cheers for each team. Nat, why don't you like it? I just, it's just. Not weird. At, for the, at the at the elite level, I think it is unbelievable for young kids and at the community level. It shows, does all the right things, ticks all the boxes for that. But I just think at the elite level, to sit there and th- three cheers your opposition, um, just it just is odd. So what well, we've it's heard just... it here, uh, Natalie Medhurst thinks she is above congratulating no, the opposition team. You, no, shake shake hands. Hands. you shake each other's hands, you say well done. Yeah. Like could you imagine 18 or whatever footy players standing around in the middle of the MCG, 18 from each team or however many? Yeah, I think there's, yeah, well, there's 18 that, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, however 20 players <laughs> all huddled together, they shake each other's hands and they get together and three cheers each other. Yeah, not to mention all the sweat that you share when you're hugging each other in those think, circles as well. Oh, like, it's a bit I think gross. shake hands is great. The next thing you know, we're going to help each other warm up. Yeah. Oh, like tennis, like which tennis. I just oh, think is oh, weird. That's just bizarre. Well, but I think actually no. talking about the AFL, I think it's bizarre we have to listen to them sing their song every week when there's sometimes not a lot of passion in that. Yeah, They're no, that's true. And the right, At least it's in the change room. We've all got our little traditions in sport. Yeah, I know, but that's, you know. and nice. Yeah, but just, I don't know, I, getting around in with the opposition, shake hands, move on, get on with it. I think that's, yeah. Well, I think, and B's brought up a very valid point too, that you were MVP in, in that match. Um, oh, yes. So is that, is that what, did you guys work that out? Yeah, you ask B to bring it up so that we could mention it. I don't, I don't think it at all. But what I also want to say is that, in the after-match interview. Actually, let's just have a listen. And you personally shooting at 100%. You're at your savvy best, keeping the defenders guessing, sometimes playing out, sometimes playing in the circle. Was that what you wanted to do, just get them thinking? That's what I was thinking. Said to me, Bianca. Um... When Nat responded to me and said that that was the nicest thing that I'd ever said to you, right? We're clearly joking. We're taking the piss. Nat and I have known each other for a long time. I went back after the game and, I, you know, when I was with the other commentators and Seb Costello was like, geez, it's a bit fiery between you and Nat. Is everything okay? That's so to everybody else out there listening to our interview, we were just having a bit of fun. Like, I thought I'd pump you up for getting player of the match. I know. I really appreciate it. It was the nicest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> um, no, I thought that was brilliant. And But this was, I said to Bianca when she told me about Seb God thought we hated each other, I said, it is amazing how something you take. And I had a la- we had a laugh about yeah, it as well at the exactly. time. You were but actually it was, laughing. But it was still skewed and made into something something 
completely different to what it was. I was like, oh, that's just media for you, isn't it? (laughs) One thing I did like about your game is that, and I remember it as a player too, playing on you, is that there's a lot of the time where you use your brain far more than any. That's all I've got. No, but you, you could tell you were just playing with the defenders the whole time. One minute you're floating out there in the attack third, you're not going in the circle because you're you know, giving Shimona space. The next minute you're driving and you're taking the long bombs. You just, it's like you're kind of playing this cat and mouse the whole time. Is this a deliberate thing that you do or is it just comes naturally? You don't even think about it now. Oh, this. Yes and no. Um, and honestly, I have no athletic attributes at all. Oh, so I have, no, I really Stop. don't. I have a brain. That's about it. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Um, and, but sort of, yes. Cause, and it depends on the defenders. So sometimes you, you just, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, let's see what we can do <laughs> here with this. Look, I reckon I can see in your face, like, are there certain defenders <laughs> yeah, that you Here's a young you one I can play with. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to tell us who they are? No. <laughs> like, I, yes, some of the young kids are, are fun. Like, so Who do you love Jenna. playing against the most? Who, who's the player that you go, you know what, it's going to be a tough challenge. I know this is going to be tough, but we can. I can have a bit of fun playing with her as well. Um, well, when Beck Bully was playing, I always loved her because because she'd get fiery and yeah, she would love it, and you could just throw out a bit of bait and she'd take it. <laughs> so, Do you mean verbally? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd love the it. Umpires would really get to oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, so that'd be cool. That'd yeah. be good. You just sort of throw in a few things about umpires. Um, Joe, Joe West, and I always enjoy playing against. I always think that's a really good battle. I remember one game against her early, it was a few years ago, and because she she can breathe quite heavily, yes, and there was one game, and I've turned and looked at her, and just because the noises she was making, I thought this kid's gonna drop dead on me, <laughs> and I'm just looking, I was like. Are you all right? <laughs> I was actually seriously concerned about her in the middle. She of always game. hyperventilates, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Did she answer you? Or no, did she get that? no, I think she was just trying to breathe. Yeah. So, um, I always enjoy my battles with her. Carla Mostert as well. Um, she had the better of me last week, but um, yeah, I think she's had the, the better of a lot of contacts yeah. over the season. Um, she, she's doing she's doing pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think it's the young kids, just because. I don't know, they, they get around themselves a bit and you're just like, you just need to kind of pull them down, you know? Oh, teach them a few tricks from yeah, the old dog. Yeah, something like that. Oh, I love it, Nat. Uh, let's go to another serious one. And um, I don't know how you want to tackle this one, but should Maria be playing? I think she should. Um, it's sort of a – it's – it's a really, obviously, massive topic at the moment. And at the end of the day, she's Izzy's wife. Mm. And irrespective of whether she says anything, posts anything, she's automatically going to be linked to him and his beliefs and what he's doing. And obviously, there's the part around um, she's shared something and rightly or wrongly, then that's been blown up into something else. Obviously, I don't agree with the whole GoFundMe page yeah. at all. I think that's just absolutely ludicrous. Um, but, yeah, I think she should be playing. I think Netball's been caught on the back foot of this whole thing. I think a lot of the times Netball's got their um, – a bit naive, I think, in terms of things that happen in our sport um, and being proactive in how we address them. But she should certainly be playing. But I think from here it needs to be made pretty clear, both from all players in the league, but also Maria, that 
going forward, what is the line? What is acceptable? Um, you know, and then what are the repercussions on if we if anyone crosses that um, and is saying we don't want to be a sport where we're bringing in discrimination, segregating people based on sexuality um, or anything like that. And um, yeah, as I said, it's a very contentious issue, a very sensitive one. But yeah, I certainly think that she should still be playing. And as sorry, Cheryl, as the president of the Players Association, what are you guys putting in place to support not just Maria but the whole playing group amongst this issue? Um, Well, we've certainly – and because we're aware that there's players as well that have been liking the things that have been going Mm -hmm. on, which I also think doesn't look great. And I think then there's the education. That's where I said like netball's caught on the back foot of it because now we're like, oh, we need to now do these things and make players aware of what their actions are – doing and how they're being seen and um, what it's actually portraying out there in the public. So um, obviously we're throwing a lot of still support around the entire playing group, but the biggest one at the moment is we're heading into a World Cup and we've got our Diamonds players away and this is now going to probably hijack everything. I know, that's the hard part. Um, That's the biggest thing. Um, And so we need to make sure that they're supported, that they're um, given the right tools around dealing with this um, because they're now being brought into it. Um, yeah, and so, as I said, us we're supporting Maria, the stance on that at the time being, but, yeah, making it pretty clear of what we will and won't accept. Well, are the players supported well enough? I mean, you know, they had a press call yesterday about the, the new dress, which is amazing. Luckily enough, all three of us have our name on the World Cup dress uh, as a nod to the history, but... Um, in they they were questioned about Maria in those questions in that press conference. Are they ready and prepared for that? Do you think enough? Are they being given enough support? No, I don't. I don't think that they are given enough support. Um, because as I said, we're constantly caught on the back foot on, on these sorts of things, and we don't think that it's going to happen in our sport. Or I think we're still worried about ruffling feathers and yeah. trying to play this real straight battle all the time, mm. and not to be brought into things. And whether we like it or not, we are. We're it's not right a smack bang in the middle of it. Into this issue, no, is it? it really should not have been a surprise. No, and it's obviously this whole saga. It's obviously at its probably biggest point at the moment but it started what about eight ten mm. weeks ago mm. when the first lot of posts were being yep. put out there on social media so to think that back then and as I said we're just so reactive to things um, and even this is probably the slowest reaction I've ever seen um, mm. to something that happened ten weeks ago but um, no I don't think there's not enough support and it's obviously unfair then to for these girls to now be thrown into this position to feel like they don't have enough information to help support things, what the standing is, what they do and don't say. Um, Yeah, and obviously, as we know, going into a World Cup is stressful enough. There's so many things that you want to be focused on and being trying to do, let alone Mm. then deal with something. That is, as I said, it's so sensitive. Um, It's blurred in a lot of ways as to what is right and wrong and what the standing should be. And, yeah, so it's pretty tough. So the sport needs to do a lot more and I think put their hand up in terms of how we've dealt with this. Yeah, well, the Super Netball Commission was meeting yesterday, I think, for the first time for a couple of weeks. Um, and this, no doubt, would have been one of the issues that they discussed. Another one was the timing issue that we've seen <laughs> um, over in the West. Um, what what should they – what do you want from, an, from a player's perspective and a player's association perspective – do you want them to be stepping up more and getting more on the front foot? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're too 
as I said, we are. We're so reactive. We, I think a lot of the times we get caught with our head stuck in the sand. Um, and as I said, we th- I think we believe our sport is immune to these sorts of things. And if we're wanting our sport to continue to be more professional, well, these things come with it and we need to realise what, I guess, the risks are with our sport, um, the things that threaten it, how we are um, handling different situations. And as I said, yes, yeah, certainly being more on the front foot on how we deal with things and um, sport needs to lift their game because I think it's going to be a matter of time. It won't be before too long before something either massive happens. I think there's even issues around security of players at games. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have an incident where something happens like that and people just aren't thinking about that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we think we're just immune to any issues in our sport and it's not good enough. So if you were on the commission, what are some of the things that you would bring into play? Um, obviously, there's things around this, the timing, mm. um, which is huge. I think we need um, – there needs to be something around match review with injuries and sanctions for players. Yep. Um, I think that's a massive one. I think there needs to be something around – I do believe greater security for players. I think it's an interesting one with our sport because I love how – accessible we are to fans but I also think that we're far too accessible that um, it can be quite dangerous and and hampers not only our sport in general because we're so accessible but also as I said the safety of players is a big concern. So when you when you talk about that like straight away what springs to my mind is when you play in Adelaide and what's the stadium called now? Oh, geez, it's Don't changed that many what times. It, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. But the, the player's bench, your back is right there when all the crowd are walking past, going to their seats. Mm. Like there's actually no gap. Anyone could reach out, touch you, do whatever they wanted to you because it's so close. Is that what you mean about security? Yeah, um, it is. It's a, I think it's a massive issue. And obviously um, no one ever thought that incident, I oh, know it was a long time ago, but with Monica Sellis, mm. um, oh, yeah. you know, and it well, is, it does right. become a concern. And I know there's been things where um, across my years playing where there's been some – people who have sent things to players or left things on players' benches, like underwear, just like some really – like just just, creepy stuff. Just some really creepy things that yeah. – um, and as I said, it's just going it, – all it's going to take is one person and the likelihood of that happening is low, but the, obviously the consequences and what could come out of that are really high, which makes it a massive issue to, um, you know, to take seriously and I guess to try and – um, mitigate as much as possible. Mm. Now, you're known um, a bit as a controversial person. I don't know if you agree <laughs> with that or not. You're laughing at me as I say it. I don't know what you're um, talking about, <laughs> yeah, talking about. <laughs> You do like to speak your mind uh, and that's why we love chatting to you. Um, is, is that a planned thing? I mean, you've been quite vocal about um, how you left the fever Um last year about the knee injuries that are happening in the competition, the elbow that you received and whether there should be a match review panel. Is it is that a planned thing or is it just it just comes naturally to you? Um, it comes naturally, but I think I'm very aware of the way in which I say things and I think all athletes should be able to have a voice. I think we're often, um, I guess, muzzled a bit or you become very um, media trained in how you're meant to approach things. Mm -hmm. And as I said, we're human. Like we have emotions, we have thoughts on things, Um, you know, we go through the same things as everyone else. But I think we can certainly have an opinion and we're able to express that. And hopefully I 
do that in the right way. Um, I'm still very aware of how it comes across. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I think the position that I have, I'm still able to raise awareness to things whether people choose to agree with me or not. That's f- fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I think as well, a lot of the things I talk about gets people thinking about things yeah. and talking Absolutely. about them. And mm. um, if that's able to then bring something um, to the forefront of people's minds that people perhaps have hadn't thought about, um, then yeah, what, I what think do that's you, good. What do you feel? I mean, we've heard quite a bit about um, you leaving the fever and how that played out. What are your feelings on their fortunes this season? Um, I guess it's an it's hard because anything I would answer is probably <laughs> going to be skewed the other way. Someone asked me on on I did an Insta, you know those Q and A, you how you can on yes. Insta stories, and someone said, "Oh, are you sad about?" Do you miss Perth? I'm like, no. And then automatically that's taken. Like, oh. oh, God. And like, <laughs> well, well, you are in Melbourne. Yeah, I and mean, I was like, well, how can, you... <laughs> what do I have to say? And it's like, well, no, I don't, I don't miss Perth. Um, miss as the I said, beaches, I miss, yeah. I miss the beaches. <laughs> and I miss, the I miss some of the girls, but I don't, and I don't, I love being at Magpies and the environment and the girls that I have. Um, obviously, it's sort of interesting. The whole thing for me was, um, because they wanted to get rid of me as well because they wanted to invest in youth. Um, so I'm like, God, can I, that be discrimin- discrimination, yeah, discrimination by against age? Um, <laughs> that's an interesting one. But um, And then I just think it's – I thought it was quite strange because I felt obviously my form was still good last year. Um, we were in a grand final and premiership window is – I mean to win a premiership – to make a grand final, obviously to win them is so incredibly hard and your premiership window is quite small. Um, and I guess I, to a degree, understand about investing in youth, but I would have thought winning a premiership would be pretty high on the list as well for a club because of obviously what that brings. So, um, And it's kind of hard because they beat us as well um, in round five <laughs> in Bendigo by two. Um, but no, I... It, I guess I, with a somewhat a smile on my face, I'm not too fast about well, where they're sitting on the ladder. And I think too, it just proves time and time again how much experience plays out there on court in that, yes, you can invest in youth and you can put a goal attack out there and you might have Janelle Fowler as your goal shooter who is such a weapon, but you have to get her the ball. And if you can't get her the ball and you can't do it strategically in the right way, then defenders are just going to double back and it becomes an easier game to play against. So, I mean, I've said that. You don't have to say that. But, <laughs> but from my opinion, like from my point of view, watching it, like it just shows that like whether you shoot 10 goals a game or whether you shoot one, you play a role that's very different to goal attacks in other teams when you're out there with Janelle. Yeah, it is. And um, obviously, whether I like it or not or whether people agree with it, with the shooters that we have in the league, the position of the goal attack has changed a lot. And I think, except for probably at Vixens where you've got Katie that moves mm. around a lot, most of the shooters barely move outside their box. Um, <laughs> and um, I know for me, and I think that's the thing that probably frustrates me a little bit, I kind of feel like I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't with what I do out there on court. Um, and... I know my role and what I do and don't bring. And as I said, I think I've got court smarts in terms of being able to set up play and do all those other things and and what I bring to a team. And some people will choose to see that and and others don't or don't value it. And um, yeah, as I said, I just try and go about my business and 
try and get the job done, win all these. I don't care how many goals I shoot. I just yeah. want to win. Um, what's next for Nat? How many more years oh, do you want to play for? Can you please help me figure that out? No, <laughs> in, in terms of what's next, playing, honestly, well, I thought that this would have been my last year had I stayed in Perth and then I yeah. would have been done and dusted. Um, and then I obviously signed a two-year deal with Collingwood. But I'll be... I think I'll be cooked after next year. Like. I remember when I retired at, what, 33, I remember you saying to me, oh, there's no way I'll be playing at 33. I know. And I, you are now what? I'm 35. <laughs> oh, so I'll be nudging 37 before I finish. That's impressive. Which is, I just oh, remember you used to think, look at Coxie going, this girl's lost the plot. Like, what is she still doing? Move on, Coxie. <laughs> no, it, it's is your just, body okay? Um, yeah, touch was the top of my head. Um, it is, it's, it's good. I'm being pretty fortunate. I haven't had any big injuries. I obviously don't go in hard no, enough. Um, <laughs> just steer clear of the mess in the circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I certainly don't pull up anywhere near as well as what I used to, but I'd say it's probably more mentally just being in netball yeah. constantly day in, day out. It can get quite draining having done it for so long. And I remember last year, um, being at Fever, we did a nine-month pre-season for a fourteen-week season. This is the other thing that needs to change: is the training loads of players. Um, side note, but um, no, and that was my one of my other questions to Rob. I just was like, how long is this pre-season going to be? Because I can't do another nine-month pre-season, yeah. um, and which it wasn't, thank God. But um, it does. It just is. My body doesn't pull up as well as what it used to from game to game, and. Um, like I enjoy staying fit, but I like to be able to do things outside of netball. And um, I guess away from the court on that note, I'm doing doing my master's um, so mm. in management, sports management, um, which is good. And that's not as in talent scouts. I'd hate to look after other athletes like that. <laughs> <laughs> We're a pain. Um, being actually management business side of things. Um yeah, so I'd I'd love to stay involved in sport though, not specifically netball. Um, women's sport obviously is huge and just going, I think, to keep get, getting bigger and bigger. Um, so we'll see. But I would think one more year and I'll be I'll be tapping out. <laughs> <laughs> now we do have to let you go, unfortunately. But a, a last word on the diamonds and their quest uh, for oh, retaining the world championship position. Is- well, are is this you... where I play a straight battle or do you want something that's no. a bit controversial? No, I want your um, thoughts. I don't care. Um, I want your honest I, thoughts. I, How are you feeling about it? Are you excited? Are you... Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think I'll certainly be keeping an eye on it. And I know as well World Cups change the format, I believe, from previous years. So it's going to be a lot harder. Um, I think England are favourites. and I think... They want to be underdogs. They're not. Um, they're not. <laughs> Tracy Neville and Co. Can't Can't. No, I, I don't think that they are. I think um, Australia, but I think Australia's got a lot of work to do and I think they need to make sure that that environment is right. There's been a lot of things, I think, over the last couple of months coming out of diamonds around the environment and the culture and what's going on there, which is a bit of a, a red flag for me. And obviously they're going in with a very young and inexperienced side. Um, and I think if they fall into the trap of what they did at Com Games of rotating players so much and not really settling on a lineup, um, I think that's fraught with danger. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. And I think South Africa, South Africa, mm. are, 
going to be Can you my... just imagine Plum? We had her on the podcast my last God. week, actually. She'd just be rubbing her hands together. She's, she says they'd love to get in the top four, but you can tell she yeah, wants a top three. Yeah, she, I think that obviously that back line, how, how they're playing mm. um, is just phenomenal. And obviously Potgita, I don't know, is she actually going to yes, World yeah. Cup? Yeah, so she's obviously been back playing as well. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. And Silver Ferns, if they get things together, Nolene's obviously in a remarkable coach. Um, so it is. I think it's going to be one of the more exciting um, World Cup campaigns. And who would be your top seven for the Diamonds? Oh, geez, who's in the team? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to. Um, oh, that's it. Oh, God. Um, Oh, geez. I think Sarah Clow's really impressed me, so I yeah. would almost consider starting her. Joe Weston, wing defence, that's – I'll throw my hands up. <laughs> no one's I'll even been playing this. Well, No, that's the thing. <laughs> it's got to be Jamie Lee You've Price. got to, you've got to play her because she's the only one there unless they decide to throw out one of their defense, circle defenders out there. Um, Centre, who you'd go? Liz, I'd say Lizzie, um, Kels on the wing, and then – Who's your tip for goal? Oh, <laughs> I don't, I'd be tempted to start Steph and then Gretel yep. at goal Steph shooter. Well, there yeah. you have it. There's Natalie Medhurst starting lineup for <laughs> hopefully what will be the final of the World Cup for the Australian <laughs> Diamonds. Nat, as always, it's been fascinating and fantastic to speak to you. Thanks so much for coming in and joining us. Yeah, absolute pleasure, guys. Should we do three cheers? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. That was Natalie Medhurst Bunger, as I like to call her, although not many other people do apparently anymore. <laughs> v, she's, she's so much fun, isn't she? I love chatting to Nat. Yeah, love, love, love the honesty. Yeah. I, I wish more players were as confident as she is to come out and say what she does. Yeah, definitely. She is absolutely fantastic for our sport. B, that's it for now. Um, Suncorp Super Netball has a break for a couple of weeks. We're not going to have a break. We'll be back next week. We'll be back. There's plenty to talk about. There you always is. wait for that. The world World Cup is coming. That's it. And I'm very, very much looking forward to and that. And love the Aussie dresses. Awesome love work. the Aussie dresses. I think they look fantastic. Uh, so join us again next week for the Inner Circle podcast. B, I look forward to seeing you then. See you then.